Very good afternoon to you all. Um, and it's an interesting question we're going to ask, isn't it? What, what is the Holy Spirit? It's something that, that um, particularly if you, if you attend um, churches and the likes, uh, that, that you'll hear quite a lot spoken about, about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to consider this, this afternoon, um, from the Bible, what we are told um, about the Holy Spirit. Um, I'll just say, uh, with regards to the reading, I'll warn you that the reading won't um, come at the, at the start of the talk. It will be a, a fair way through, probably more than halfway through. So don't panic. Um, if, if we've been sitting here for a good few minutes and you think, if this is the introduction, then I'd rather think what the talk's going to be like. Uh, the, the, the reading is going to be a fair way, a fair way through the talk. Uh, hopefully all will become clear. But, but there are a number of objectives I'd like to, uh, I'd like to cover uh, this evening. I want to think, first of all, about... What the Bible means when it talks about spirit, well, what is spirit? Um, and, and from that, uh, we can extrapolate and, f- and find out what the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit and, and, and what the Holy Spirit is. But then I'm going to ask the question is the Holy Spirit active today? Once we've defined what the Holy Spirit is, uh, we can think about uh, whether the Holy Spirit is at work today. I then like to think about the Holy Spirit gifts, because the Bible talks about the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We can think about, are these spirit gifts available today? Because many churches around us will tell us that they are, um, and and people will claim that they have uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, whereby they are able um, able to do various miraculous things. So we'll ask the question of the Bible again, are the spirit gifts available today? And then, then finally, we'll ask the question, what does it mean to be born of the spirit? Because the Bible does talk about being born of the spirit. And, and we'll think finally uh, about what that means and what it is to be born of the spirit. So, so that, that's where I want to go um, this afternoon. Those are the objectives I'd like to cover. These are the questions I'd like to, to answer. So let's start then with, with the first of those questions what is spirit? Well, um, certainly in the Old Testament where, where we read uh, the word spirit, generally in the King James Version, uh, the Hebrew word is the word ruach. Um, and, excuse my, my Hebrew pronunciation, um, uh, the, the word is translated often as, as the word spirit. It can be translated as the word wind or breath. Uh, occasionally it's translated as, as mind. Um, so it, it's quite a a wide-ranging word. Uh, let's look at one or two examples of where that word ruach, which is translated spirit, um, is, is used. It's used in Genesis chapter 6, uh, which is the record of God um, deciding that he's going to, to flood the earth. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17, God says, Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. There's that word ruach uh, from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. So it's translated there as as the word breath. So everything wherein is the breath of life, the the spirit of life, um, is going to die. So so there's one example of how that word is used. Here's another one from a bit later on in Genesis. Genesis uh, chapter 26. Um, This is talking about Esau. Um, and Esau, we read, there was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, 
and Bashimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind, is that word again, it's translated elsewhere, spirit, unto Isaac and to Rebekah. You see, Esau knew that Isaac and Rebekah wanted him to take wives uh, of godly people. And Esau, it seems, went out of his way uh, to take wives from the nations round about, the, uh, the, the Hittites um, being uh, one, one of the enemies of God's people. Um, so, so Esau took himself wives of the Hittites, which were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. It's the same word again. So as I say, it's a word that, that is, is quite wide-ranging in, in its meaning. It can, it can mean the mind. Uh, it can mean the, the breath of life it can be talking about. It can be talking about somebody's, uh, somebody's power, somebody's, somebody's will to do things. Um, so, so it's a word uh, that, that's quite uh, wide-ranging in its use. But the particular aspect of, of the use of that word that we want to think about um, is in relation to the Holy Spirit. Now, now the word holy uh, is, a, is a Hebrew word uh, that, that means, quite, quite simply, sacred. If something is sacred, something is set apart, uh, something is hallowed, something has been dedicated. Uh, and so where we read of the Holy Spirit, it is a spirit which is separate to other things. It's been dedicated, it's hallowed, it's consecrated. Um, and so by definition, um, the Holy Spirit is, is something that belongs um, to God. You see, what we read of God, here's one example uh, from the Psalms, from Psalm 99. We read, the Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So God describes himself as being holy. God is separate. He is, uh, he is sanctified. He is set apart um, from, um, from his creation. He's set apart from all other things. God, God is holy. Um, God is separate and is on his own. Now, let's come back to, to the very beginning of, of the Bible, back to the book of Genesis and, and chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, I'm sure we all know how the Bible begins. It tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we know what then went on to happen. God uh, began his work of creation uh, and it starts uh, with, with God saying, let there be light. And we know that there was light. Uh, and so the creation record begins. But you notice that we're told right there in the first two verses of Genesis chapter 1 that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, so God's Spirit was at work right back at the time of creation um, in, in, in causing these things uh, to take place. Uh, and this gives us a bit of a clue, I think, right at the beginning of how God uses his spirit or how God's spirit works. You see, when we come into the Psalms, and here's a verse from Psalm 104, uh, we're told how God went about creating the, the heavens and the earth. Psalm 104 uh, tells us, Bless the Lord, my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. 
Thou art clothed with honour and majesty, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. So, so God's angels, God's ministers, um, those great beings that, that God has created, um, God uses as vessels of his spirit, of his creative power. Uh, and there are other verses that we could go to as well, which suggest that it was God's angels who were involved in the creation of the heaven and the earth. And so right way through that creation record, we read, God said, and it was done. Uh, and so we have, as it were, God speaking to his angels, uh, those vessels of his spirit, and they carried out everything that God asked them to do. So, so the angels are endued with, with God's power, with, with God's spirit, um, and God works through them. Uh, in, in this instance, he works through them um, for, for the purpose of creation. Now, that psalm is actually quoted in, in the New Testament, um, in the letter to the Hebrews. And the writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 1. He says, To which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Okay, so, so the angels were the, right back at the beginning. They were back at the, uh, the time of creation. God said and it was done. that They carried out God's work uh, using God's power. Uh, but the writer of the Hebrews tells us that, that the angels have been sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So, so there's another task that God has given to his angels. Uh, another task that they will use God's spirit, God's power uh, to carry out, to minister to them, to look after those who will be heirs uh, of God's salvation. And it's a, a very comforting thought if, if um, we are looking forward to, to the kingdom of God if we believe in, in God's power to, to save through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is very comforting to know that God's angels have been given the task of ministering to those who shall be heirs of, of salvation. Let's look at uh, another aspect of, of the work of, of God's Holy Spirit, of God's power. Um, here's, here's a verse, a couple of verses from the second letter of, of Peter um, where God says through Peter we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So God's Holy Spirit, God's power, um, is involved in uh, the, the writing and the recording of, of Scripture. Uh, we're told there that holy men of God spake as they were moved, not that were being driven. They, they had no choice in the matter. They did exactly what God asked them to do. They were moved by God's Holy Spirit, by God's, by God's holy power um, to, to do these things. So, so there's another aspect of the work of, of God's Holy Spirit in the writing of, of Scripture. In Paul's letter to Timothy, um, he, he backs this idea up. He tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and may be complete, throughly furnished unto all good works. So it's a scripture that the Bible has been given to us by inspiration of God. So, so God uh, used his power to cause men to, to write down his words and they have been recorded for us so that we can learn of him, so that we can become complete in our understanding of his plan of salvation, that we might be thoroughly furnished, as, as Paul said to Timothy, um, unto all good works. So I would, I would put it to you that the Holy Spirit, as, as defined in the Bible, um, can, can fairly succinctly be defined as God's power, uh, God's will and, and God's power, um, and through his spirit, through the power of his spirit, um, he caused everything that we see around us to be created. Um, he has caused his, his word to be recorded so that we can learn um, of him. Uh, and his angels, who, who have the power of God's spirit, um, we are told, have been sent forth to minister um, to those um, who are, are working to, to, towards, towards his kingdom. And that leads us, I think, on to the next question that we said we were going to ask. Um, is, is the Holy Spirit active in the word today? So we've seen from the Hebrews that the angels are God's ministers and that they are, are working. God, God's power is at work in, in the life of those believers. I think we can, we can fairly certainly say that, yes, God's Holy Spirit, God's power is active um, in the word today, world today is active on a very personal level um, for, for those people that we've described, um, but but it's also active on other levels as well. Look at these these verses. First of all, from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter eight. See, Paul said to the Romans, "We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose." And then he goes on a few verses later to say, what should we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, and it's quite an incredible few verses that we have there in, in, in Romans chapter 8. Because we're being told that if we are called according to the purpose of God, if, if we love God, then God will be working in our lives to ensure that everything that happens to us will be for our eternal well-being, will be for our eternal good. Now, you notice I didn't say that everything that happens to us in our life will be good, uh, because that's not the case, that bad things happen to people who are working towards God's kingdom in just the same way as they happen to anybody else. The difference is that God will ensure that whether things happen to us for bad or for good, they will be for our eternal well-being. They will be bringing us to, towards his kingdom and towards his glory uh, and he finishes off by saying what should we say then if God be for us who can be against us again incredibly comforting to know that God's Holy Spirit power is at work in the world uh, and we don't know how we don't know exactly how God works but God is at work in the world he is at work in our lives to, to, to bring us um, in faith um, to his kingdom and I think God's power uh, and its work goes beyond that. Here are some verses from, from Daniel's prophecy in the Old Testament. Um, 
through Daniel, God taught Nebuchadnezzar, who was a a great world leader at the time, uh, he he taught him this, this, this very important lesson. He said, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdoms of men and he giveth it to whomsoever he will and he setteth up over it the basest of men. Uh, And again, this is a, a theme that we can follow through the Bible. We can see God working with people in power. God will put people in positions of authority as and when he needs them there uh, to, to carry out his purpose. And we can look through history uh, and see how God has done this. Uh, and, and Daniel makes it very clear here. God puts people into positions. He sets up um, over empires and over ki- kingdoms the basest of men. Um, and they will serve God's purpose, um, generally completely oblivious of the fact that they have been put there by God. Uh, he sets these people up uh, and he takes them away. Uh, and, and I suppose on a very practical level, that, that knowledge, the fact that we know that God is in control of all the events that are going on in the world, should be a comfort to us, but it should affect the way we view these things as well, shouldn't it? We, we shouldn't be getting all, all het up about uh, who is in power and what decisions that they're making and, and what a mess they're making of the economy and um, all these terrible things that are going on. Yes, that, that can, be, can be very difficult uh, for, for us to, to stomach sometimes. But the knowledge that God, with all his power, is ultimately in control, that God is bringing his will about, that God is bringing his kingdom um, to this earth, and no matter what any of these men or any of these women do, should be something of great comfort to us. This is what the Apostle Paul Um, said again to to the Romans he says let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there is no power but of God the powers that be ordained uh, the powers that be are ordained of God whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God and they that resist resist, shall receive to themselves damnation that's quite quite a, a sobering thought isn't it Paul's saying there, look, just remember that everybody who's been put there in power has been put there by God. It doesn't matter if we like them or if we don't like them. God is in control and God has put them there for a reason. There is no power but of God. So therefore, be be, be very careful because if you're standing up against these powers and if you're trying to make um, a political point or or whatever it might be, however well-meaning you might be and however right you might be, you are effectively resisting God because God has put those people there. You're resisting the ordinance of God uh, and that's a very dangerous thing uh, for us to be doing. So it's something worth, worth remembering that God's power, God's Holy Spirit is very much at work in the world around us. It's at work on, on, a, on a personal level, if you like, but it's on work on a, at work on a political and on a global level as well. Um, God is in control and God is bringing his, his plan uh, to pass. Um, and and, and we, can, we can see these things uh, working themselves out um, in, in the world around us. Okay, so, so we've asked that question, is the Holy Spirit active today? Um, 
slightly different question, and it's a question that some people tend to get mixed up with, tend to get confused with, and tend to merge into one. Are the, the Spirit gifts, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work, and are they available today? Uh, and this is where I'm going to ask Kenneth to, to take um, our reading. We're going to take a reading from uh, the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Uh, we're going to begin at the end of chapter 12. We're going to read from chapter 12, verse 27, through to chapter 13, verse 13. Kenneth, please. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know, just as I am also known. 
And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you. So, so the Apostle Paul, in writing his letter to, to the Corinthians, he was writing to um, a church in the first century where, where there were real, real all sorts of problems that they had um, in, in this church. And we don't have time to, to go into all that just now. But, but it seems that underlying all of their problems were, were the fact that the believers, or, or some of the believers, uh, had forgotten what it was and forgotten how important it was to show the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. And one of the things that it seemed what was happening um, in this ecclesia in, in Corinth uh, was that people who had been given gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about that in a second, people who had been given gifts, and in particular certain gifts, were standing up and saying, well, because I have this gift, I'm therefore more important than you. And there were all sorts of arguments and all sorts of divisions that were going on. Uh, and here in chapter 13 that we just read, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, the most important thing that you can show to each other and the most important thing in your lives should be showing this love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and you see, you see, we read at the end of, of chapter 12 there, didn't we, about um, some, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, that... Uh, that the disciples, um, sorry, the, the followers in, in Corinth were, were able to do. Um, the Apostle Paul says in verse 28, God has set some in the church, first apostles and secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and gifts of healing and helps and governments and diversities of tongues. Uh, and he goes on to say, well, not everybody has all of these gifts. Some of you have none of them at all. And then he goes on to talk about the, the importance of love. Now, now, we're going to think for a moment or two about why it was that God had given these gifts of the Holy Spirit to the believers in the first century, uh, to Corinth and, and, and in other ecclesias, uh, why they'd been given at all. And then we're going to look at some verses at the end of chapter 13 there that perhaps tell us a little bit uh, about uh, the, answering this question, um, are the Holy Spirit gifts available today? But I want to think... Um, First of all, about why the Holy Spirit gifts were available at all. Why were they given um, in the first place? Now, this isn't just a New Testament thing. This is something that we find uh, right the way through the Bible. There were occasions, right the way through God's workings, God's dealings with, with, um, with mankind, the nation of Israel in particular, um, where God gave gifts of his Holy Spirit um, to, to individuals. Um, here's one of those occasions. This is from Exodus chapter 35. This is when Israel were wandering in the wilderness um, and, and God had given uh, instruction to Moses that he wanted to build a tabernacle. And we read in Exodus chapter 35 that Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he hath filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So, so this man, Bezalel, and another man, Aholiab, and between them, God had given them um, miraculous powers uh, to, to be able to um, 
miraculous power of craftsmanship. They were able to work with, with gold and with silver and with wood um, and, and with various other things uh, so that they could uh, fabricate, they could put together the tabernacle that God had, had revealed the plan to Moses uh, for um, in the wilderness. So a very specific reason God gave these men miraculous powers. Um, he gave them uh, the, these powers of workmanship, these miraculous powers of workmanship, um, so that they could, um, so that they, they could, they could make um, all these things. And we were told elsewhere as well, it wasn't just the fact that they could make these things, but they had understanding of what the things meant and what they represented, and they were able to teach the people uh, the importance of these things as well. So, so, so God gave them these very specific powers uh, for a very specific reason. And I suspect for a very specific period of time as well. I think the gifts would have been taken away um, once uh, the tabernacle um, and its workings were, were complete. Let's look at uh, another example. Still in the, in the wilderness, uh, we read in Numbers chapter 11 that Moses went out and he told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and they did not cease. You see that the problem that Moses had at this time was he was the only one who could judge the people. He was the only one with, with the spirit of God um, who could discern uh, between matters that the people came to him with. And, and here in Numbers chapter 11, God is, is giving him the ability to, to delegate some of this responsibility. Uh, Seventy elders are chosen out. God's spirit um, is given to them, the same spirit that had been given to Moses. Um, uh, and they were able to assist Moses with uh, the, the judge, judging um, of the people. Um, and... Uh, this ability to prophesy was given to them so that people knew that, that God's spirit um, had, had rested upon them. So, so here's another occasion, very specific reason. There was a requirement um, for, for God's people to be judged, uh, God's, God's people to be, to be given uh, wise counsel. And so God gives um, the miraculous gifts of, of his Holy Spirit to these 70 people um, so that they could carry out his work. And we could look at other examples. We could look at uh, the likes of Samson, who was one of the judges um, in the time of the judges. He was given the, the power of God's spirit for a very specific reason, uh, to, to, to teach and to bring Israel back to God. Uh, we could look at God speaking through the prophets. Um, God spoke to them um, and, and gave them his, his message so that Israel um, knew the message of God, knew what God was uh, was going to do to them, knew what he was warning them of and his impending uh, judgments. So, so every time we read about God giving his spirit, it's for a very specific reason. And it's to very specific individuals as well. And when we come into the, the New Testament and we have the life um, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we, we find that the work of the Holy Spirit is, is very much involved, as I suppose we would expect. We could look at Matthew chapter 1 and we, we see that the angel tells Mary that um, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that she was with child. Um, and the Lord Jesus Christ was, was born as a result um, of, of the, the power of God's 
Holy Spirit. Just come to to Matthew, if you will, to Matthew chapter 3. I think it's uh, quite useful that that we look up some of these. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, we read of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in Matthew 3, verse 16. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, at the time of his baptism, God's Spirit uh, came down. It was very visible. It came down, it rested upon him, and God's uh, voice went out to, to those who were around. This is my beloved son uh, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, and, and throughout uh, his ministry, just, just have a look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and and verse 34. We could look at many other uh, verses to back this up. He whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him so so god gave his spirit without measure um to to his son um, the lord jesus christ so 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 the lord jesus christ was, was quite unique um in in that in that matter let's just look finally at that uh, verse from matthew chapter 26 we see right to the very end uh, god's power uh, was there with with the lord jesus christ Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53. This is the Lord Jesus Christ um, in the Garden of Gethsemane when uh, the, the, the soldiers come to take him by force. And Jesus says, verse 53, Thinkest thou not, uh, so thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. The Lord Jesus Christ knew that that power of God, uh, the power of God's Holy Spirit and the power of God's angels, uh, was there for him to call upon um, if and when he wanted it. And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ knew on this occasion that it wasn't God's will that he should do that. It wasn't God's will that he should call down the, these 12 legions of angels to protect him because he knew uh, that God's will had to be done. So the Lord Jesus Christ um, uniquely um, had God's power without measure um, to, to do um, his will. Uh, and of course, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was a ministry uh, that, that was that was going to do so much was going to bring um, those who believed in him um, to to salvation um, through his death and through his resurrection so god 's spirit and, and the 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 action of god 's spirit in the in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was very important now just before he ascended to heaven, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples. 
He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, remember what we saw about the action of the Holy Spirit elsewhere in, in, in the Old Testament. It was always given for a very specific purpose to specific people to, to do a specific job. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Why? So that you can be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and in uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to use my power. You're going to use, so you're going to use uh, God's power, the gifts that God is going to give you to spread the good news of the coming kingdom, to spread the good news of what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished, to be witnesses of him um, to the uttermost parts of the earth and so in, in the very next chapter let's just turn to Acts uh, chapter 2 we have the record of, of those gifts being given to the disciples uh, and the Holy Spirit come up, coming upon them Acts chapter 2 let, let's begin at verse, verse 1 just just to, for the context. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, so God's Holy Spirit, God's power came upon them uh, and it, it enabled them to do miraculous things. It enabled them to do things that they hadn't been able to do before. They were suddenly able to speak in all sorts of different languages, different foreign languages. Uh, and what did that enable them to do? Come down to uh, verse, uh, verse 43. We, we, we could spend... Oh, verse 33 actually just... Uh, uh, just just to, to get the gist of the message that the uh, Apostle Peter is given, uh, giving here. Uh, verse 33 of Acts chapter 2. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Uh, so, so the Apostle Peter is saying, you know, we're talking here about, about the Lord Jesus Christ. God has exalted us, uh, exalted him, um, and he's given us. Um, his power so that we can manifest these things uh, that, he is, that he is speaking of. Come down to verse, 30, uh, verse 43. We read that fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things in common. So as I say, we could spend a lot more time looking at this chapter, but remember... The, the message that we've seen right the way through the Bible, God gave his power to enable very specific tasks uh, to be carried out uh, by, uh, the, by his followers, by those who were doing his will. And it's no different here. God gave these specific powers to those believers in the first century so that they could preach the good news of the kingdom. Uh, these were men who were, in the main, uneducated. And suddenly they were able to speak all these different languages they were able to speak to, to these people who were in front of them from all over the world and they were able to preach to them. 
And these people were able to see these miraculous powers at work. Uh, and it gave a huge amount of credibility to the message um, that they were, they were preaching. You see, you've got to remember, back at this period in history, just after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament hadn't been written, um, the, the canon of Scripture hadn't been compiled in that way, um, believers had to rely very much on, on word of mouth, there would have been a lot of misinformation, a lot of confusion flying around, and so God gave his power of the Holy Spirit um, so that his authority could be seen coming through this. Uh, that credibility could be given to the message uh, that the apostles were, were, were preaching. And so God's word uh, could, be, could be preached and the gospel um, could be furthered. So let's come back to, um, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Did, did you notice what the Apostle Paul said there? He'd been talking about these spiritual gifts and he'd be saying, the thing you have to focus on is love. Love is the most important thing. Um, and he says here, love or charity as the authorised version renders it. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Remember what we've seen. God gave these gifts for specific reasons, for specific periods of time, to carry out specific purposes. And it was just the same in the first century. The Apostle Paul says, you know, love is going to be there to, here to stay. Love is what you need to focus on. You know, where there are gifts of prophecies, those are going to fail. Where people can speak in, in unknown tongues, in different tongues, that's going to stop as well. Uh, whether people are able to prophesy, whether the gifts of knowledge, they're going to vanish away. And it's interesting what he says here in, in verse 10. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Remember what I said? This is right back at the beginning um, of, of the first century. The, the, the canon of scripture, the Bible as we have it now, didn't exist. It hadn't been written, the, the New Testament. And I think this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. When that which is complete, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part should be done away. When, when you have God's revelation in the completed Bible in front of you, you're not going to need uh, the, the, these temporary um, aids that have been given to you. They will be done away with. What was it the Apostle Paul said uh, to Timothy? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That same word again, complete, truly furnished unto all good works. What we have here is God's revelation to mankind. It's, it's complete. It has everything that we need to learn of him, to learn of his plan of salvation. We, we don't need special gifts, special revelation um, from God's, God's Holy Spirit gifts because we have God's word the, the, the completed, the mature the, the perfected work of God's Holy Spirit in front of us and we can, we can read it uh, and we can learn of him it contains in its pages everything that we need to learn of God uh, and what he expects of us
So, so the final question I want to ask is how are we born of the Holy Spirit? We've said that the Holy Spirit gifts were given for a very specific reason in the first century. That that, that reason has gone now. We, we, we have the completed scriptures, uh, so, so the gifts are, are no longer available. What does it mean when we're told um, that we need to be born of the Spirit? Well, th- this was a question um, that, that Jesus uh, talked to uh, a very, uh, a very well-read, a very scholarly gentleman um, called, called Nicodemus. He was one of the rulers, one of the great rulers of the Jews. Uh, but he, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And understandably, Nicodemus was, was a little, little confused by this. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, so what's the Lord Jesus Christ saying here? Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, being born again of water, that, that's, that's fairly simple. It's, a, it, it's a, an image, it's a type that's used throughout the, the New Testament uh, to talk about baptism. We, we have to be baptised, we have to be reborn through the waters of baptism. So that's, that's quite straightforward. So we've got to be born again of water, but we've also got to be born again of the Spirit. It seems to be talking about a different thing, doesn't it? So what is the Lord Jesus Christ talking about? Because many people today will tell you, well, that's saying that, that you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need a revelation from the Holy Spirit to be able to understand uh, the gospel, um, to, to be able to, to save, be saved and to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, as we always say, it's very important that when we read the Bible, we read it in context. Because the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to explain uh, what he means by being born of the Spirit uh, a few verses on. We don't have time to look at the whole of John chapter 3, um, but towards the end of John chapter 3, or verse 16, it's probably one of the, the best known um, verses in, in the Bible. For God so loved the world, um, you, you know the, word, the, the verse well. But let's just look at the, the verses that precede uh, John 3, verse 16. See, Jesus talks about an event that happened when Israel were in the wilderness um, and um, the Lord God because of their um, uh, because of their backsliding because they wouldn't listen to him uh, he sends a, a plague of, of serpents uh, throughout the people uh, and he, he commanded Moses to, to, to create a brazen serpent which he held up on a pole and anybody who looked uh, to that brazen serpent who'd been bitten by, by one of this, uh, this plague of serpents, anybody who looked to the brazen serpent uh, would, would be saved. Uh, and Jesus is picking up on this, and he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have eternal life. So, so at the start of the chapter, Jesus says, without being born again of water and of the Spirit, you cannot have eternal life, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, and he goes on to explain, using this, this image of Moses in the wilderness, lifting up the serpent on the pole, and anybody who looked to that serpent and believed would be saved. So it is going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about a physical act. It's not just about uh, being, being baptised. That understanding and that belief has got to be there as well. And if we have that belief, if we believe on him, then we should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, and this is, this is the great message of the gospel. It, it's a gospel of faith. We have to put our faith, we have to believe um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we believe, then we will do what he's asked us to do. Uh, we will submit uh, to, to the waters of baptism um, and a sign of, of our sins being washed away um, and, and the beginning of a new start, a, a new birth um, in him. We've looked at Acts chapter 2. This, this is something else that the Apostle Peter said. He's, Peter said to them, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So, so what's the Apostle Peter talking about here? He says, you know, when you repent and, and when you are baptised, when you begin your, your new life, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this, uh, this, this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as shall call the Lord our God, uh, as many as the Lord our God uh, shall call. Yeah, so, well, well, surely, here we go. This is saying that we all receive uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is saying that, that, that anybody who believes and is baptised, anybody uh, who is born again of water and of the Spirit, will be given the, the, this gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think we have to be quite, quite careful here and look carefully at what the Apostle uh, think carefully what the Apostle Peter is saying. It, it doesn't make sense to me that the Apostle Peter is saying, yeah, believe and be baptised, and if, and if you do that, then you'll be able to do all sorts of miraculous things. Th that's not what he's talking about, is it? He, he is talking about the same as what the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about, the, the, the gift of everlasting life in God's kingdom. See, see, this is what the Apostle Paul said to the Romans. He said, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think this is the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Apostle Peter was talking about in Acts chapter 2. We all deserve to die. Peter was speaking to people, some of whom would have been there when the Lord Jesus Christ was condemned. Some of whom may well have been shouting for him to be crucified. Uh, and they said to him, what should we do? What do we need to do to be saved? And he says to them, um, as we read, let's go back to, to Acts chapter 30, uh, 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your, your sins will be forgiven. You will receive that gift of life 
um, that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it in, in Romans. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Back in, in Corinthians again, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, talking to the believers in Corinth, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, and, and so the list goes on, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of God. This is the great gift of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is so much more important than, than the ability to speak in tongues uh, or, or any of these other gifts that were available in the first century. This is the gift, this is the free gift that God has given by the power of his Holy Spirit uh, and has offered to each one of us. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. It doesn't matter that we're any of these lists of, of terrible things that Paul talks about. If we are washed by belief uh, and by the, the act of baptism, um, then we are sanctified, we are made holy, we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus uh, and by the Spirit of God. So, so the power of God's Holy Spirit is still very much at work um, today. It's through God's power that, that we are able to um, that, that we are we are able to move from that that state where we are condemned to death uh, to being able to look forward to everlasting life as the, the, the gift of God um, through his spirit and through the Lord Jesus Christ so, so just finally let, let's, let's finish with, with some words uh, from later on in the Acts of the Apostles from Acts chapter 20 where the Apostle Paul says now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You see, God, through the power of his spirit, has revealed his plan and his purpose to us. He's given us his word, the Bible, the work of his Holy Spirit. He's revealed himself to us. We can read it. We can learn of him. We can come to an understanding. We can believe uh, and we pray for that time to come um, when God's kingdom will be established on, on the earth. Uh, and we pray that at that time, each of us here uh, might, find, uh, might find a place in that kingdom.